who you are and what you are meant for in this world is possibly something greater than you've known because you've been so uh, wrapped up in your mind that there hasn't actually been an expanded awareness of yourself. So the Swadhyaya, the self-study, is also the study of you as your greatest creation. Can we practice that? Welcome to a Curious Yogi podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, and these are my conversations with sadhaks, satsangis, and other spiritual seekers. Join us as we discuss and discover what it means to live a spiritual life and walk the yogi's path. Each week, you'll gain insights into your own practice as we share the stories and wisdom of those that walk the path with us. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Welcome back to the show. I've got another solo episode for you here. And sometimes uh, the insecurity, the smallness creeps in. And I'm not the uh, expert in this field. So therefore I shouldn't speak to it. Discrediting my experiences and my studies. But... Like my dear friend Cassandra says, there's power in showing up vulnerably and being the wounded healer that we all are. So here I am to share my perceptions, my experiences, my practices in the powerful topic of Kriya Yoga. Kriya is work and yoga is unity. So as I experience it, it's the internal work that we must take to transform our suffering, not into joy in the terms of experiential joy, but joy in the terms of inner stillness, inner peace, inner quiet, that type of equanimity. That's what the practices of Kriya Yoga have offered me, and that's what I hope this episode will offer you. And if you are suffering, then congrats, like really, you're alive you're here, you're feeling, you woke up today, you have relations that allow you to experience the world reflected in your relationships with others. And if you're ready to begin the journey of moving beyond that suffering through a spiritual path, then congratulations once again because your sadhana has begun. And speaking from experience, the path of sadhana is really powerful. Like, be careful what you wish for because it will transform your life. It will allow the things that aren't serving you to fall away just naturally. And this path, I promise you, is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage to go inward. It takes uh, bravery and commitment and discipline to show up again and again and again every day whether you want to or not it's a practice we're already practicing something what are we practicing are you practicing fear insecurity judgment busyness numbingness or can we start to shift those daily practices into openness lovingness forgiveness Celebrating and welcoming each experience with the same openness. This path, it really requires a real giving. 
It requires a giving of yourself to something. A giving up of your familiar discomfort, which we can stay really stuck in for a long time. It requires a giving up of that familiar discomfort and a stepping into the unknown, which can feel drastic. And it can feel scary. We actually can very commonly, we can look around and see everywhere. It's always um, easy to perceive and judge another person's experience. But you can look, I'm sure, at many people in your life and see who's clinging to their comfort of their bad habits, to their way of experiencing the world, clinging to the belief system that maybe isn't even serving them anymore, but to let go of something we've held on to so long and so dear, it's scary to let go and a lot of people just aren't willing. So if you're here and you're willing to let go of something that's not serving you, if you're willing to step onto a path that can feel uncertain, then congrats, you're here. And when we think of the healing power of yoga, we hear it everywhere. But most people think of the physical healing, you know, it's good for your, not only your physical physique, the way you look, but the physical body in terms of your nervous system. And then moving more towards the subtle healing powers of the emotional bodies, the subtle bodies, like yoga is so regulating which is why it's considered so healing. And even there's the mindfulness element to de-stress the body and allow the mind to more easily settle down. But like, let's get real, the mind is never going to stop. Like, that's not its nature. So if any meditation or yoga teacher tells you to stop your thoughts, my advice would be stop going to that teacher because the mind, the thoughts will never stop. I regress. Back to the, the healing power of yoga. But to truly allow yoga to transform our suffering and our unease, we really must consider going much deeper. We can still use the physical practice in a, in a way that's powerful. And for me, as someone that requires discipline in my life, the physical routine of an asana practice of a physical practice is something that's just essential. And for me, the real growth and transformation of healing has come with the shift in the lifestyle, which in the past few years really has been a daily commitment of rolling out my yoga mat, finding a cushion, a block, a chair, something to sit on, to begin each day with my eyes closed, and not clothes like the sleepy kind of clothes, but clothes to look inward, to gaze inward, to recognize myself as rem completely unaffected by this changing world that the day will inevitably reveal to me. But the lifestyle shift slowly happened for me after meeting my teacher in India. When I think of the lifestyle things, okay, the meditation practice came first. The yoga asana was there, very scattered, unregular. But I was so far from where I am now. And I think when we're starting out on a yoga path, it can seem like such a, a far leap. But it's so important to just begin where you are. That's perfect. For me, one of the first real powerful steps besides meeting my teacher and my yoga journey was deciding to live a sober lifestyle. 
because that was a lifestyle that brought me a lot of comfort. It brought me a lot of um, ways of coping. So letting go of that um, drinking and partying lifestyle, I had to grieve the loss of that because it was something that I had clung on to. So that's just one example of where the transformation begins and, and it takes commitment. And for some people, maybe just taking that step of removing or adding one lifestyle element can be a real powerful beginning of yoga. But slowly and slowly as we take those big shifts at the time, they become less and less of of a conscious effort and more and more of just a way of being in the world. For me, beginning to meditate, going vegetarian, becoming sober, then committing daily. This is when the real transformation for me began to happen, the real healing. And not that the yoga practice itself that was healing, but the commitment to my sadhana, the spiritual practice, gave me the depth, the capacity, the courage to then pull up the the things inside of me, the fears inside of me, the smallness inside of me that was all learned and impressed upon myself. It gave me the capacity, the courage in my body somatically and in my experience of the world to allow it to come up so I could face it. Like we say in recovery, the darkness can't survive when the light comes. But to have the capacity to allow the dark things as if the the shadow side to reveal itself, we need to have some kind of uh, anchor to support us through that. And not only that healing, but some kind of an anchor to ground us when the world is coming at us hard and fast as it does because the world is moving hard and fast in these days. Like honestly, my sadhana had begun before I even knew it was the case, which is very common with spiritually inclined people who are inherently dissatisfied with the despondency and the emptiness of the material world and so much that we see around us. I don't know if you can relate to that. But for me and what I've heard again and again on this podcast is that grand disillusionment, which in the view of the world, which celebrates like busyness and blinders on and work, 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 work. It's not really celebrated, but in the spiritual context, it's it's considered a great divine gift to become disillusioned with the world, to question, I want something deeper. This complacency that I'm moving through the world with actually isn't serving me and when there's a rub and a friction it's actually great great opportunity and a great blessing from God if you use that language or from the universe to push into our sadhana to actually go in and look what is the root of that discomfort what is the root of that fear which we'll come to a little bit later as we're talking about Kriya Yoga. So Kriya Yoga is ancient. It's outlined in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which is like pretty uh, central teaching, especially in Western yoga. But this little few aphorisms in in the scripture outline sadhana or spiritual practice in the most simple and approachable way 
that any person can do it. You do not need to be a yogi in the Himalayas, a yogi in a yoga studio. You can be a householder, a worker. You can be anybody. You can be exactly who you are right now, perfect, and take on these simple practices in a daily way that only can take a few minutes, 10 minutes a day. You have 10 minutes a day to adopt these principles. It's about harmonizing the internal work we must take on in order to transform our limited mental and sensory experience of the inner and outer world. So it's a real whole, full, complete path. So this brings me to the first of the three pathways of Kriya Yoga, which is tapas. Tapas is the self-discipline, the effort, the austerity to which we approach this practice, to which you approach your healing. The um, tap is translated from Sanskrit into the the generation, the generating of heat, the transformation through heat. Stress in our body is actually a good thing. It's repeated stress or toxic stress where it starts to become not healthy. But we actually put ourselves in environments which might feel annoying or uncomfortable. For example. When you begin on the spiritual path, the best time to meditate, to do yoga is in the morning, which means you have to set your alarm, let's say 30 minutes earlier. That requires discomfort because you will set that alarm. I'm looking out the window right now. It's October and there's snow and I don't want to get out of bed 30 minutes early, but in a commitment to the power that comes into my day through the, the sadhana, through the yoga practice, I do that. So can you put yourself into a space where you're committed to showing up every day? And that's a part of tapas as well is regularity. The transformation happens slowly over time. We can't just show up once or twice on the yoga mat or sit in meditation a few times and check it off. Yes, great, I've worked to my spiritual elevation and self-realization. No, it's a path that we have to show up for every single day. Repeated, repeated, repeated. And of course, a little meditation is better than none. Same goes for concentrated breathing, physical poses or exercise. Like, sure, it's better to do a little than not a lot or none at all. But even more powerful so is the regularity to show up every day in the same place. For me, that place is my yoga mat because I travel all over. So showing up in the same capacity for yourself every day no matter how you feel. That's where the real power comes. The real shakti comes from the repetition, from your daily consistency. And you know what? It's not even about building new habits. It's about continually shifting the lens of your perception of the world and your inner self, which will organically begin to create new habits. So, tapas, pathway number one, showing up with that effort. The second pathway of of Kriya Yoga is one that I love. It's Swadhyaya, which translates to self-study. Now, this is kind of a two-part pathway because we have the self-study, which outlined here in the yoga scriptures is the study of scriptures and 
You do not need to study yogic scriptures to follow the path of Swadhyaya. It's about consuming or putting yourself in front of information which will elevate your consciousness. So for me, it is reading some yogic scriptures or non-dual philosophy or inspiring poetry in the morning. So as I sit down on the mat, I'm consuming something that's inspiring a deeper reflection and a higher elevation of consciousness. If you wake up first thing in the morning and you turn on your phone and you check your emails, that is not going to elevate your consciousness. That's going to bring you right down like a vacuum, right down into the world, into the problems of your mind, into the worries of your day, into your lists. So when we are practicing Kriya Yoga, when we're on our spiritual path, we take this time in the morning to not connect with the world, to disconnect with the external world and connect to our internal world. And a part of this is through the inspiration of self-study. And when we talk about the repetition of tapas, there's also the repetition here. So for some folks, they'll read the same scripture, even the same verse or the same mantra over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if that's something that suits you, I would highly recommend it. Like even a mantra as simple as so hum, I am, I am. Maybe that's the spiritual or higher content that you take in. Content is not the right word, but you know, we're in a modern context here. So you get what I'm saying. So you can repeat the same prayer, the same mantra. For some people, it's the Lord's Prayer. When I think of my 12-step my friends, it's the Lord's Prayer. And just repeating that over and over again as the inspiration for your practice, as the inspiration for your day, as for the inspiration of your life. And the second part of Swadhyaya is the study of self. This is where self-awareness doesn't get created or cultivated, but it gets revealed because it's already there. Can we study ourself as our greatest experiment? Uh, how many times have you heard that um, kind of little quote, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So can we find the awareness to observe ourselves as spiritual beings making our way through the world? which means looking at ourselves objectively rather than with <clears throat> condemnation or judgment, but looking at ourselves with compassion, with love, thinking, thinking as we observe ourselves at just, wow, how incredible we are. And that from there we begin to learn the tendencies, the patterns, the nuances, how we are in relationships, how our nervous system works, what triggers me, what lights me up, to actually Sit with yourself and learn the language, the inspiration of your body, of your mind. Who you are and what you are meant for in this world is possibly something greater than you've known because you've been so uh, wrapped up in your mind that there hasn't actually been an expanded awareness of yourself. So the Swadhyaya, the self-study, is also the study of you as your greatest creation. Can we practice that? So those are the two parts of Swadhyaya when we're 
stepping on the path of Kriya Yoga, when we're sitting in our morning practice or evening practice, <clears throat> can we, one, show up regularly? Can we, two, find ways to inspire and elevate our awareness so that we can observe ourselves with that elevated awareness? And one more point about the spiritual scripture or the spiritual study that you're taking on. Something that is so powerful is the fact that you choose with respect to your belief. Which is why this practice of Kriya Yoga, which is why all yoga is non-secular. Because you can believe in anything, whether uh, Allah is your God or that you believe in a Christian God, or whether you believe in the power of the universe, whether you believe in Mother Nature, whether you believe in the story of the Creator, whatever you believe in, your personal divinity, your Godhead, you can keep it private. The work happens in the privacy of your own heart. Follow your own path, and we respect, appreciate, and honor everyone else's path. So my experience of God as energy, as all permeating, as non-gender conforming, uh, just a presence. For me, that's my experience of God or love with a capital L. But for you, your God may be, may be different. So therefore you choose spiritual intake or knowledge or inspiration that resonates with your God, with your divinity, with your deity. So just remember that, that there is no right or wrong in any of this. You find what, what works for you with these founding pillars as guideposts to letting your beliefs, letting your routines guide you and transform your suffering into pain, which we'll get to. So the third pathway is Ishvari Prani Dan, surrender to the divine. So in your Swadhyaya, you've already articulated, you've experienced, you've reflected on what is that energy? What is that higher source? What is the source of you? What is the source of your life? So once you've established that, now can we begin to surrender to that, knowing that our mind will never imagine life in the way that God is creating it for us. So this path is a spiritual path. The abhyasa, the practice, is spiritual. So in this practice of Ishwari Pranidhan, we surrender to, to, our, to our divinity or our higher power, and it's a way that we keep our faith alive. If we are moving through the world with the experience and the ego sense of I am the doer, that this is all my creation, that I, that the reason everything is, is because of my mind's power and control, then we're going to suffer when the results of our actions do not match the expectations of our mind. So when we begin to surrender and connect with that sense of a higher power, that's where real grace comes. And that, where does transformation come? It comes from grace, from humility, from acceptance, 
from receptivity. Like I love the Buddhist thought where we open our arms with equal joy and lightness in our heart. We open our arms to all of life's blessings and all of life's lessons or as if non-blessings or miracles. So those are the three paths and they are so beautiful because they are very clear tapas, transformation through heat, through showing up, through repetition, swadhyaya, study of the spiritual scriptures, study of yourself, ishvari pranidhan, surrender to the divine, surrender to your understanding. Those are the three pathways of Kriya Yoga. And now, how do these pathways guide you to transform your suffering? Well, these pathways remove or dissolve what Patanjali describes as the five obstacles or kleshas, which are the pain points. Patanjali tells us that these are the five main places or main phenomenon in life that cause suffering or have a tendency to cause suffering. And now the first one, my teacher said that the first one is the is sort of the basis for the other. So Advidya, which is the ignorance of the self with a capital S or priority on worldly knowledge. So we can see this in a lot of places. We just open our eyes, you go to work or you see someone in your life and there's a lot of importance on material success, worldly experiences and overlooking the importance of self-knowledge of spiritual knowledge, of subtle the subtleties, the interconnectedness of all. Especially in the West, we live in a very capitalistic society, which is very separate and dualistic. Well, this ignorance of the self, this ignorance of God or the higher connection that interconnects us and interweaves us all, that is the source of this whole manifestation. The ignorance of that is said to be the pain point of Advidya. Then we have the asmita, which is the ego sense, which I talked about a little bit before. The sense that I am the doer. The thinking that I'm separate from you. That my life is important and my rise up is important and my family is important, but there's no we. The asmita is the I sense. It's when we feel like we have everything is on our shoulders. So that's asmita, the eye sense, the ego sense. The next two are sort of interrelated, two sides of the same coin, rag and dwesh. Rag is our sense of attachment, our craving, our clinging, which we all do. And then there's the dwesh, which is the aversion to a pain-giving object or situation. I have a dwesh towards money. <laughs> we all have this this pendulum swing of rag and dwesh and sometimes the object the the object of desire or the joy giving object which which we get attached to can swing at some point and become the dwesh object which what what once gave us joy will eventually give us pain because we'll cling to it or we don't want it so this is sort of the flip-flop of the human experience, which really is the root of suffering. In Buddhism, Rag and Dwesh, they, the Buddha says, is this the root of all suffering. So 
it's really powerful to sit and reflect when you're in a state of discomfort. What am I attached to or what am I pushing away? Because the clinging and the pushing really is, it's a state of unease, the swinging. And just being a human being with a mind, we all experience rag and dwaish, some some more extreme than others. But as we start to move through the path of yoga or move through any other healing modalities that allow us to soften the extremes of the rag and dwaish, the rag and dwaish, the craving and aversion, craving and aversion, the more we begin to pacify that, the easier it is to find some sense of observing, of watching the swing take place and slowly that groove of swinging back and forth, back and forth, it starts to soften. It really starts to soften. And so there's five obstacles or clashes, pain points. The fifth one being pretty massive. It's Abhinavesh, which is the fear of death and clinging to life. Which when we look at all fears, they essentially boil down to our fear of death. Death will come. Can we accept that? The sooner we're able to accept and be open to the inevitable, which is death, the sooner we'll be able to live life with more capacity, with more depth, with more acceptance. Death is coming. I heard once, this quote, I wish I could remember where I heard it, but they, they said that death would be a tragedy only if it didn't happen to everybody. But death is coming. You will die. I will also die. That's something that I love about Vedic wisdom. And when I started going to the ashram, learning non-dualistic philosophy was and in being in India even, like in the ashram, we're constantly talking about death. Can we die right now, right today? Can we let this meditation, this practice be a death, a dripping away of all that we cling to so that we can be open to that which is eternal, that which is ever-present, that which never dies. So when we're thinking about our five points, fear of death, Abhinavesh, reflecting on where our fears bubble down to. For me, fear of rejection, which bubbles down to fear of being alone, which boils down to, I don't want to die. <laughs> so really, it's powerful to start to talk about death and not in a way that's tragic, but to talk about it in the same in the same sense of equanimity that we talk about birth. I remember one year, actually it was the year Swamiji died. Within the span of two weeks, my 94-year-old guru died. I sat with a 12-year-old boy with HIV when he died, nearly. And my really good friend had a baby. So here I am in this strange dichotomy of life and death and we're celebrating just celebrating the birth of this baby that's this pure unaffected 
beautiful, pure being that's come into the world. And I was thinking like, girl, you don't know what you've got yourself into. The world is hard. And then grieving the loss of this young boy who suffered. He suffered his whole life. And I grieved because I thought it's not fair that he should die. But he suffered. So his suffering was over and he was returned back to the source to which he came from. And I am one that believes in incarnation as outlined in the yoga, in the yogic philosophy. And here he is totally transcended away from his pain, but yet there's grieving. So, you know, we have this pin, these points, birth and death, and then everything that happens in between. So we celebrate the beginning of life, but then we grieve the end of life, but it's actually circular. So when we look at the fear of death as a pain point, can we start to just explore what it is that makes us suffer when we're afraid of death or when we sense the clinging to life? So that is Kriya Yoga in a nutshell. How I would suggest one to begin these practices is take some time to reflect on these five kleshas, how they might show up in your life, how they might show up in your relationships, how they might show up in your uneasiness, or even better yet, how they show up in your easiness. Maybe reflecting first on what, what doesn't resonate with you. And then we start to move towards cultivating a daily practice, which is where real transformation happens. And maybe you only have the capacity to practice your tapas, your austerity, your transformation through heat for 15 minutes a day. So start for 15 minutes a day. You can sit, you can meditate. For me, the practices of austerity happen through yoga, through the physical practices. I need to stretch and move my body so that I can sit up tall in my meditation seat, so that I can read my scriptures. There's the swadhyaya. Practice my pranayama. That's a very, very, very common practice of tapas. It's the pranayama, the breathing techniques. Can you sit for five minutes and do your box breathing? Then we move into the swadhyaya. Can you... Can you sit and reflect on yourself as inspired through a mantra, a prayer, a yogic scripture, or a spiritual book, if you read the Bible, the Quran, whatever it is. And then we, we finish this daily practice by offering up the practice itself. So we begin to practice so often, so regularly, that it's not, it's not even something we do, it's just something that we are. And in that selfless action, in that selfless practice, we just offer it up, we offer it up, we offer it up, we offer it up. We move selflessly. That's how we transcend our self, move past the asmita, the ego sense, the small sense. We know I'm taking right action, I still have free will, I'm moving through the world. But the result of that action is not up to me. It's up to my higher power. And if you don't believe in a higher power, 
If you haven't sat with yourself to consider what is the source of the stillness behind my closed eyes, maybe this is a good moment to start to consider that. So for me, these practices, they kind of came organically and before I even really knew what Kriya Yoga was. But I invite you to sit with these three pathways. Maybe just for a few minutes. You can do them anywhere. You don't need a yoga space. You don't even need to sit on the floor. You can sit on a chair. You can don't need to cross your legs. You can have your feet on the floor. And you just move through these simple practices. Start where you are. It's perfect. My teacher used to say, if you only can meditate for three minutes a day or seven minutes a day, do that. So maybe set your alarm seven minutes earlier and just do that. Read one line from a scripture. Practice the mantra, so hum, I am, I am, I am. And then offer your practice up, offer your day up. Like the, the, the prayer in 12 steps. Love, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is such a beautiful way to move through the world. We do what we can. We trust our higher power. And then we just carry on. There's a healing power in that. There's a transformative power in that. So, I could go on, but this is my offering to you today. I hope you find some inspiration in Kriya Yoga. And if you want to learn more, I would love to invite you to my upcoming workshop on the healing power of yoga. Yoga from the inside out. How practical effort, which is the tapas, how practical effort self-awareness and devotion or surrender can heal you. So it's a healing yoga workshop on these three principles and how you can integrate them through asana, through pranayama and meditation. I would love to see you there. It's going to be a beautiful workshop. It's going to be recorded. So if you can't miss it, you can check it out online on my website on bobbypadel.com. Come be with us. Community is powerful. And I'm so honored that this community is growing and that I can continue to share my personal perceptions and learnings of the teachings of yoga as taught to me by my many wonderful asana teachers and biggest teachings from my Guruji Swamiji. I hope to see you there at the yoga from the inside out, how effort, self-awareness, and surrender can heal you, workshop, come be with me, hit me up, let me know. Lots of love. Thanks for being here. Amaram Ham, Madaram Ham, Om Tat Sat. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Curious Yogi Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps the show reach more people. Or share on social 
And of course, follow on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate the love and I appreciate you. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the yogi's path together. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.